What's up, listeners? It's Andrea. Today, we hang with a real-life physicist. We dive pretty deep into Wesley Crusher's sweater choices, and we ask the question, what is a tar? The answer to that and more, coming up. Welcome to the TNG Podcast, the number one place in the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek, the next generation. I'm your co-host, Sharice. And I'm Andrea. Today, we are reviewing Season 1, Episode 5, where no one has gone before. This episode was written by Diane Duane and Michael Reeves. It was directed by Rob Bowman, and the star date, which we know means nothing, was 41263.1. And today, we have a special guest. We have our friend, PJ Brennan, who is a physics teacher, and he's going to explain perfectly for all of us how all of the magic on the show works. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Welcome, PJ. That's right. We're going to talk about the science of science fiction, and it's going to be awesome. It doesn't exist. Andrea, do you want to give us a little bit of the the backstory set up this episode for us? Yes. It's a little bit of a long one, but here we go. So Mr. Kaczynski is a Starfleet propulsion expert who plans to run tests on the warp engines to improve their efficiency their efficiency. With Kaczynski is his assistant, an alien from Tau Alpha C known as the Traveler. The test quickly goes awry when the Enterprise speeds up, surpassing the known capabilities of warp engines. Captain Picard orders the ship stopped and the crew finds themselves on the far side of the M33 galaxy. He asks Kaczynski to redo the process to return home and the Enterprise again experiences a burst of speed and when it stops, the crew cannot determine their position. They have reached the outer rim of the universe where thoughts shape reality. That's a long one. Ooh, this is exciting. This is going to get juicy. It is. <laughs> it is. So, I love this episode. What are your like overall thoughts? Yeah, I, let's start with our special guest, PJ. I, I was very surprised just because being a season one episode, I was like not looking forward to watching this one right. at all. Like when I rewatched the show, I almost always started season two. So I was That's what I did happy. too. Like, but this this was solid. Even though I spent the first like 15 minutes trying to figure out what I knew Kaczynski from before realizing he was Monk's therapist on like that Tony Shalhoub show. That's where Monk. I know him from. Oh, um, really? Yeah. Like, that's where I, I recognize his face. Yes, that's really, so he had more like less gray hair, but I'm like, I know this guy from something. Oh, and see, that's like the only thing, right? I guess. I mean, I think he's just one of those guys that's been on things for years and then like just plops down every once in a while. You just know his face. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, the traveler is actually played by Eric Menyuk, who was a attorney and got into acting and then retired from acting and is now an attorney who deals with special education rights for students for like special needs kids, which I think that's is awesome. pretty, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So he was on this show three times as the traveler. And then he was, he was kind of that same thing as Kaczynski. He bounced around and then ended up uh, retiring from acting, which I think is, that's pretty cool. I mean, he like retrained as an attorney and then went back, went back into it. So the man has got some smarts. <laughs> He's, he knows he knows what he wants yeah. to do. Which Hashtag is pretty skills. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so can we just can we talk about the traveler for a second? Um, yes, so please. I w- when the episode first started, I was like, oh my gosh, this is the traveler episode. Like, I still remember this episode from when I was a kid because I remember it was so like so so fanciful, right? Because we're used to seeing well, sort well, okay. So far in season one, we're not used to a whole lot of great stuff. No, nope. but they are going to different <laughs> worlds and meeting different aliens, and this time we're not just exploring an alien culture or something, which usually is savage and barbaric so far in season one. Um, instead, we're exploring like thought and reality. And I thought yes. that was super interesting. And, I, and that's why this character in this episode really stuck out to me like over the years. Yeah, I love this episode. This is the fr- I mean, so, okay, we have Encounter at Farpoint, which we said was like a soup sandwich, total mess. And then we have the Naked Now, a, a total mess plus orgies. And then you have that really racist episode. And this is the first episode that I watched and I went, this is the TNG that I grew up loving. Like this It feels, felt like Star Trek. It, thank you, PJ. It totally yeah. felt like Star Trek. They, have, they are truly explorers. They've gone places they haven't mm-hmm. been to before or weren't supposed to get to by whatever time they're in right now. And, and, like, mm-hmm. and now they have these opportunities and these problems. Like A, how do we get home? Where the hell are we? 
do we even take time to explore? Because who do we, mm-hmm. who do we report our findings to? Like th- this people is people yelling this- at Wesley. <laughs> yes, yeah, is- we've got people yelling at Wesley. We've got Troy My- doing something useful, and I was like, "Yeah, Troy, okay." Yes! She was like, "I sent and nothing Troy from the not traveler." Doing something useful. What's that? <laughs> Troy's well, empathic abilities only last long enough to be dramatically useful because it's always like, "Oh, I can sense this. Oh, I can't sense this," and then there's like dramatic music. And she's if like Troy back in the background. Something that's when things have yeah. gone bad. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, that's how you, you know, know. it's. <laughs> <laughs> when she comes and we to the start- front and goes, I'm anxious because everybody else is anxious. And then, and then she goes back into the box. At the start of the episode, we see yet another chief engineer welcoming Argyle. the on. And I was yeah. like, he's on wow. Parks and, and Rec I, actually. That's hilarious. What? Wait a yeah, second. Was- I've seen like every episode of Parks and Rec a million times. Which, ep- where is he? You remember the guy that he caught Leslie and Ben uh, kissing at the Get Harvest out! Festival? Is that yeah, Argyle? Like, that's Argyle. Oh my God, I'm having this super geeky moment. Ugh. Half of my notes were, I recognize that guy. And yeah. the other half were, wait, what, like, why is Jordy wearing red? Why is yeah. Jordy the chief engineer? And most why of the is he on the like, bridge? It's season two. Just wait till season two. It's fine. Yeah. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Jordy does not belong on the bridge. He's going to no. change positions for those of you who have not seen the show. Yeah, yet. no, he yeah. does not. All right. So jumping right in. So Kaczynski is is coming aboard and the, the scene or the show basically opens with Riker and Picard arguing on the bridge or Riker, maybe they're not arguing, but, but Riker believes very, very strongly that Kaczynski is a fraud and they're having this sort of elevated discussion and i'm just thinking yes, shouldn't you be doing this debate. A, yeah shouldn't you be doing this in the ready room or in in, <laughs> in like the lounge or something i mean because yeah. Riker is getting like sweaty he's yeah. getting frustrated and he's like why aren't you listening to me this guy's yeah. a fucking joke and picard's <laughs> like i don't know i'm sure it's fine <laughs> picard's like, like picard's like starfleet recommends them do it and you're gonna be the one to, you're gonna be the one to welcome him on board since yeah. you don't like it it's just like uh that was, that was a little petty aggressive not necessarily the picard we all know and love is <laughs> showing up in this first scene no 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 but so kaczynski comes aboard and i gotta tell you the like detail nerd in me was bothered because he's part of starfleet but he never wears a com badge his insignia, he doesn't have pips, which are the technical name for the little dots. He, mm-hmm. he has like a weird little square. I'm like, what the hell is this? Are you like well, a contractor? Does he have <laughs> a rank? Maybe. I don't remember he might not have a rank. if he has a rank. Is he, or is he just, yeah, he might just be like an independent I think he's contractor. Like a, <laughs> I think he is like a contractor. He's like a specialist, right? That's, that's how he's presenting himself. He's like, I am the, you know, warp field specialist and I'm coming to each ship and doing magical things on the ship. So I don't I'm know if come. he even has a commission. I'm going to yell at everybody, and this is my weird gray friend that I found. (laughs) (laughs) Which apparently, by the way, the traveler. Okay, so Eric Menyuk, who plays the traveler, um, it was reported that he had to be in makeup for like three to four hours each day that they shot, you know, because he has all those prosthetics. And they did, you know, they had him have like three fingers, and he hated those like clunky, junky fingers so much that he tried to hide them as much as he could. The night crawler hands. I loved those. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when, yeah. him typing just looks so weird yes yes when Kaczynski says I'm gonna have him input the preliminary calculations because he could do it faster than any human can I was like what he has like less fingers what do you mean yeah. like it's all it's I'm gonna just, say that's false yeah. I'm call scientific BS on that one three yeah. big clunky fingers are not as efficient as like a couple more fingers it's like probably if he had can... like seven or 12 fingers it'd be like that you would know, each hand. then you'd be like yeah he could do it but faster. he has just basically giant bratwurst sausages attached to his palms and he's just typing things in to a very small little keypad which makes no sense well luckily for them they don't have like actual buttons everything is a big touch screen so that is I true mean, imagine him trying to text be awful <laughs> it'd be awful it would be like getting a text from my mom which is just a bunch of like random letters and like emojis <laughs> that don't belong there and like symbols from another keyboard it just and i go Autocorrect is very big in the Star Trek universe. <laughs> there you go. That's it. They really nailed it down that often. They really nailed it down. Okay, so PJ, they start this test and they are supposed to do warp 1.5 and they end up going 
to the M33 galaxy, which by their calculations is 2.7 million light years away from the Milky Way. Explain. <laughs> We're just going to put this all on you. <laughs> like, I always feel like such a killjoy when talking about stuff like this because it's always just like, that can't, no, you, you can't. Because uh, the whole basis of Star Trek is predicated on the fact that they can go faster than the speed of light, which unfortunately right. is just, com- you can't. Uh, yes, the speed as we- of light is a universal speed limit. You can approach it, but you can't reach it. And even if you were going really, really fast, the rules of time start to break down. Well, they time don't dilation, break down, yeah. but yeah, time dilation starts kicking in. So if they actually went, even if you're going like 99% the speed of light, the amount of time that passes for anyone on that ship versus anyone on Earth, you're going to go back and everyone's going to be old and dead. Yeah, so, yeah. Which, I mean, oh, when I did- That is a little bit disappointing. When I, <laughs> it's a killjoy. Sharice is confirming we don't. We're not going to have listeners. We won't be having PJ back. Ruined <laughs> 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 all of our Star Trek dreams. I want to go warp nine point nine. Damn it! So, correct me if I'm wrong. We're calling back to my physics days. Um, as you approach the speed of light, your mass increases as well, which increases the amount of power you need to propel that mass. Is that right, or am I? So with the amount of energy that you need to move faster and faster, um, it starts It starts all kind of linear, like if you double your energy. Um, so if you double your energy, then you quadruple your speed. Um, but as you get closer and closer to the speed of light, it starts hitting kind of a wall. So mm-hmm. like you're pouring in more energy and like you go 98% the speed of light, 99% the speed of light, but then it's like 99.9, nine, 99.99, 90.9, mm. like you can keep going faster and faster, but it's kind of like the thing where if you go half the distance from here to the wall and then you cut that distance in half and then you cut that distance in yes. half, you never actually reach the wall. Yes. So you can keep going faster and faster with more and more energy, but you don't, you never actually reach the speed of light. Well, you heard it here, people. <laughs> Kaczynski's, Kaczynski is a fraud. And I guess yes. so is all of Star Trek The Next Generation. So. I still love it. But it's still a <laughs> so, fun episode. It is. It is a fun episode. It's the first one that feels real. Um, so they get to the M33 galaxy and they're like, should we poke around or not? And then, oh, by the way, it's Star Trek. Of course they're going to poke around. <laughs> like, the, prime, the prime directive only exists in order to say, eh, just this once we're going to ignore it. <laughs> <laughs> we have to follow the prime directive. The prime directive is a very strong suggestion. Like yes. Yes. yes, it is. That's all. So they're going, they're go- <laughs> they're going warp. 10 point whatever they're doing. They're going beyond their Mm -hmm. capabilities. And they start realizing that something is going wrong. And Picard makes this horrible call and he says, reverse engines. And I'm going, what? Excuse you. (laughs) That's a a baller move. No, no, no. Okay, let let me tell you a little story. Once upon a time, the gas pedal on my car got stuck when I was a ki- when I was like I was going to say a kid, but I was a legal driver. I was like sixteen or seventeen, and I freaked out because it got stuck to the floor, and I was couldn't stop accelerating. And luckily, I was like on a pretty empty stretch of road, but I was in a city, so I was starting to freak out. So I jam the car into neutral and get it to stop, and I pull over. And luckily, nobody got hurt. Whatever, but you 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 at the worst you go into neutral buddy you don't just jam into reverse and you survived break the whole and so ship. did the enterprise what's that <laughs> you survived and so did the enterprise <laughs> apparently so. my card says so let me reverse just... engines question mark exclamation point exclamation point what? I that, love you. That, that's that like that did oh. seem to me like a kind of bad idea like i hear stop like let's not keep going because we don't yeah. know where we're or going or slow down and i thought yeah, I thought, is there a slowdown well, yeah, button on the Enterprise? There really isn't. It's just it's just reverse engines and go forward. They don't really do like I mean they can do they do slow well, yeah, they only slow when they're going forward. They can go they, they can do impulse, impulse power. Yeah. That, but they don't go but like that's kind of the same thing. In order to slow down in space, it is pretty much just whatever you way you're going to Yeah, whatever way you're gonna be pushing yourself. Yeah, that's um, true. Because like when we do the brakes on Earth, we're able to create friction between 
the car and the brakes and then the brakes and the tires and then the tires on the ground. But in space, you don't have any of that. It's just, am I pushing myself forward, backward, up, down, left, uh, there is no up, down, but am like, I pushing, yeah. you know, stern, bow, forward, aft, whatever. Um, so pretty much the only <laughs> way you can slow down is by firing something to push you in that, the That is direction. true. Yeah, that, that is true. Sense. Well, can I, I just see- make, a, make a statement here about them going warp 10 point whatever or warp off the charts, I believe is yes. what data said. Yeah, it's like- He's an android. Data was smiling a lot in this episode and just throwing out like, oh, it's off the charts. No, well, you're an android. But, you know what the but chart it was, is. It was you off the, the charts chart. on his, on his pad, right? You are the, the chart. calculations data. he was reading. It was off those charts. So get a bigger chart. This is, this, like, get a bigger like, chart. Yeah. So I love this moment when Kaczynski kind of goes, uh-uh. you know, he sort of like puts his hands on his face and just kind of hides as the traveler's face. He goes up to it surprisingly quickly in this episode. He's yeah, like, he, yeah, no, I thought it was me, but it clearly wasn't. I thought wasn't. it was me. <laughs> well, it wasn't. He, no, he clearly has. He clearly has just enough time on the turbo lift between main engineering the bridge to come up with some sort of excuse because when he shows up to the bridge and he goes, Captain Picard, I mean, what a wonderful day this is for propulsion. I've done it. It was a mistake, but a wonderful mistake. Like, let's all what a wonderful just. Day for propulsion. <laughs> let's all just. Oh, God. Let's all just pretend. Like <laughs> well, so he. Okay, so he walks off the bridge. So Picard says, listen, can you do it again? Which, as we all know, any science worth doing has to be replicable. So, Agreed. can you do it again? Can you get us back? And or in goes, the words, in the words of the Mythbusters, if it's worth doing, it's worth overdoing. And that's exactly <laughs> what oh, the okay. Traveler and Kaczynski did. They overdid this test here. <laughs> well, I, I had this moment when I had to pause to, to look at the frame because Kaczynski goes, okay, we're going to do it again. And he walks off the bridge and Picard and Riker and Jordy and Data kind of like all group together and give him this like bitchy, like mean <laughs> girls look like we don't like him. And Data's face is like the bitchiest face I've ever seen. And I went, can androids even do that? Like, <laughs> you don't even have a- I like to think that Data saw them being bitchy and he was trying to act more human. So he's like, okay, enact bitchy face. And they yeah. he just did that. Yes, he, and he nailed it as he always does. Oh my god, it was like when pure hell. Like, when Wesley's like, "Oh, he needs a rest. You could do this on your own." And Kaczynski's like, "Hell yeah, I could do it on my own." I'm like the balls on this guy. <laughs> <laughs> and like the traveler's like, "No, no, no. I, I think I should help." Like, you actually? No, no. It's okay. You really do need me. Like it's okay. Well, it's I, okay. I'm fine. I'm about to collapse, but I'm totally fine. Let's just do it. <laughs> so, all right. So. This episode is our first, like, um, Wesley Crusher-centric episode. This is where we really start to see him. PJ's face. So I'm thinking PJ's not a fan of PJ's Wesley Crusher. And in fact, like, ugh. PJ, we forgot to ask you this question. This is an important question for all of our guests yes. that we totally forgot. Who is your favorite character? Because I think yes. we're getting an idea on who your least favorite might be. But who is your favorite character on the show? My favorite character, and I had the like, I had the action figure when I was a kid, is Jordy LaForge. Of course, uh, you are Jordy LaForge. Jo- I had a Jordy LaForge action figure, and my brother had a Data action figure. <laughs> uh, we didn't; those were really the only the only toys that we had from the show. We didn't have anything else, but we had those two toys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tell me why? We, why Jordy? I don't. I, I think as a kid, honestly, I think it was the visor. The visor was. Yeah. was Awesome. It was cool. I loved the visor. Really Cyclops cool. was my favorite X-Man too. So maybe I just really Maybe you just a had a thing for like, yeah, blind but characters. Visors. I don't know. Uh, yeah. And we bought, we bought my dad for like Christmas when we were like five, a Picard action figure. And he still has it. Like it's That's in his bureau awesome. drawer at home. He's like, no, I saved this. You guys bought me this when you were five. I'm keeping this. Oh, oh that's, that's really, really cute. Yeah. Don't know what happened to the Jordy one. Um, All right. But, so- because the types of episodes I usually skip, I skip Wesley episodes. I skip, uh-huh. was it Barclay? He's the guy that- Barclay. Barclay. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I skip his episodes. And I usually skip episodes where one person notices everything's going wrong on the ship, but nobody else notices that everything's going wrong on the ship. Really? Every, sing- every character has one of those episodes throughout the course of the show. 
I, yeah, I don't know I why I always right. skip those. Well, yeah, this is this is this is one for sure. This. Like Wesley is like, uh oh, like the right, traveler. Which is why is I was amazing. surprised combining two things that I hate and I still like the episode. <laughs> 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 so your your feelings on PJ? Oh, your your feelings on PJ? Your feelings on Wesley? PJ? Yeah, it's it's better without him. Oh, I think I, think th- I, I I think this episode was okay because he's really young in this episode. Uh, one of my notes is he's wearing the largest Irish sweater I've ever seen. <laughs> okay. But, but it's had... orange, so I'm guessing he's Irish Protestant. So I don't know. <laughs> I wrote Wesley sweater. Wesley sweater. No, like, it's the largest sweater. It is. And the sleeves bother me because they start off normal size at the shoulder. And as they go down, they get really big around the elbow mm-hmm. and then really tiny again at the, at the wrist. And I went, are we just going to chalk this up to future clothes or like, what? Yeah, like, I remember when, I, it's not future clothes. I wore that sweater like back in like <laughs> 1987 going to St. Patrick's Day mass. Like, well, they I were trying that <laughs> in that gross. show. They were trying to like take, they were trying to take current fashion, which remember this was 1993 at this point. They were trying to take fashion that was like from the late eighties and make it mm-hmm. futuristic. So everything in the show still kind of looks like late eighties clothes, like the big shoulders and yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. So, well, it's their envisioning collars. Yes. I think as well, though, this is, you know, Wesley is the character who he's, he doesn't have any official role on the Enterprise yet. And so he's only wearing civilian clothes. And we don't actually um, see anybody else in their downtime civilian clothes until later on when you see Captain Picard in his little, like, silk shorts, you know, when he's reading a book in bed or whatever. But, like... We got man skirts in this episode. Though. Yes, you know what? This is... We do see a shorty uniform a couple of times here. PJ, I'm tracking when we finally see the end of the stupid shorty uniform because I hate it so much. <laughs> but I... I it was interesting when they're like, you know what? It was one of the sexist things from the original series. And they're like, well, we'll just put it on men, too. And yes. Like, it's kind of, kind of progressive. I'm not sure if it was the, you know, the best way to do it, but you know, yeah, that, that kind of works. I agree. I actually agree with you. I do like that they didn't restrict it to just women um, because, you know, in the future, I guess they've moved past that kind of stuff, hopefully. But wear it, a skirt, wear a skirt. <clears throat> yeah. But I don't, I don't like it because it, your uniform is supposed to be functional and it's just not like, yeah. There's no pockets. There's no... You so have, it wasn't functional for women either. I think no. it's a big idea that we have here. <laughs> like wearing a skirt. I mean, it's just kind of like all the all the crime shows, right? Where the, the military detectives are wearing six inch heels and you're like, mm, you can't really chase down a suspect in six inch heels. Like that's just not really practical. So yeah. I, I do, I agree with you, PJ. I like that they're trying to mix up gender roles a little bit with, with fashion. Um, it just didn't quite hit the mark, right? It didn't look good. It wasn't, no. fa- it wasn't functional, but it was now, a great idea. When did they go from just wearing like the onesie uniforms to having like the actual jackets? Because, that, you know, that I, I believe... was looking for the, the, the Picard maneuver where yes, every yes. time he sits down, he always pulls it down. Yes. Oh my gosh. We talked about that in a, in a previous episode. So our listeners might remember, but yes, when he means business, he stands up and he like pulls his shirt down a little bit. And that's when you know he's really getting mad <laughs> or he's about huh. to like get things done <laughs> because he pulls that down. Um, yeah. Okay. So back, back to Wesley. So this is a Wesley. So to answer character. your question, PJ, we, I don't, we don't remember. Oh no. When I, he starts wearing the jackets. I'm sorry. Know, it's though. season two. Probably season two. It's, it's, I, I think it's, season two. I actually originally thought that it was season two, but I think it was actually like midway between season two and three. And the reason was those uniforms had to be so tight in order to have a clean look that it basically pulled the actors like down into a hunch. So when you had to stand up, it was this like, I think like heavy neoprene. So it's like basically you're acting in a wetsuit for like 13 hours a day. And they were like, we've just had enough and we're not doing this anymore. So they kept those like one piece uniforms for like background players and extras, but the main cast all got like the two piece, which I thought looked so much better. And they have the colors that stand up, which I really like. So that's, that's a somewhat answer, (laughs) (laughs) but all right. So the traveler and Wesley have this like connection, which I really like because I feel like everybody is shut up Wesleying. And he's like, no, the I boy. actually. <laughs> that was in my notes. He's like, I have a name. And Picard's yes. like, we know. We know what it is. Shut <laughs> we up, choose boy. not to respect you. Yeah, we, we're choosing to call you the boy. We know very well what your name is, and none of us care. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Yes. Captain, sir. 
Yes. You're setting the tone for everybody here, buddy. <laughs> yeah, no, you are, you are setting the bar and everybody else is like, oh, we can all shit on Wesley. Great. Let's do that. So, uh, he did save you guys before in the naked now. <laughs> by mm-hmm. Like fixing, you know, that whole piece of story. That was like episodes ago. Yeah. So nobody remembers. No, he's, he's back to being annoying, but I do like that the traveler who <clears throat> obviously like, I would just say knows things seems to think that Wesley is special, which I actually really like. I like that in this yeah. episode. So they try set up a lot for Wesley that never really ever pays like, Oh, he's this prodigy and he's going to change. He's Mozart. He's going to change the world. And like, if you've actually watched the series, eh, he gets into a hazing incident in college and then really nothing else after that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's something I read in one of these articles. I don't remember which one. So unfortunately I can't link it, but I read in one of these articles that the original idea for his character that people are guessing, right? This is not what, what, Gene Roddenberry said, but that people are guessing is that he was supposed to be this like perfect person and, and he was just supposed to excel at everything and just be so amazing. And that it was supposed to be like a self portrait of like oh, what Gene Roddenberry wished he was oh, or something. Christ. I don't know if any of that's actually true. So that I'm eye rolling so hard right now. But, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. But so I think, so I think what happened is just like the writers and just like the storyline, it was like, yeah, this character is too perfect. He's not relatable. And so we don't want to make this the Wesley show. So that might be one of the reasons why it never, like none of that paid off because then it would have just been like, he's so perfect and he's so great and he can never do anything wrong and he's so smart and da 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 that we just don't, we can't relate to him as humans and we just don't care and everybody stops watching. So I think they just kind of toned that down a little bit and try to focus also, on all the... F- we really the- want to punch him. Like, I don't know why, but I really want to punch I him. I love to, oh my God. Well, I, I don't know how old Will Wheaton is or was like at the time of this filming, but I think I was just like a, a year or two, maybe three years, like younger than his character was at the time of the airing. So I just, every time he came on screen as a little girl, I just had like hard eyes for him. It's like, he's cute <laughs> and he's smart. And oh, he's just, the, and his hair is so great. Like, I just, I totally had hard eyes. I was like, oh my gosh, it's Leslie. Like, you know, he's a, it was told, he was totally like the boy band member before boy bands were a thing. Yeah. Like, that's the picture that I have in my mind. So every time Wesley comes on, on screen, even now I'm just like, oh, it's yes. Leslie. Okay, so apparently the writers wrote his character in order to like rope in younger viewers to like make something relatable for the younger viewers. But it clearly worked for you guys. It it did. It totally worked for us. It totally worked for us. But I think that we are in the minority because they made him so like unrelatable. Like he just was always in, you know, like always knew the answer to everything all the time. He only hung out with like adults. Um, it just it didn't actually like play, I think, the way that the creators had originally thought of that. So Sharice and yeah. I got heart eyes every time we saw Wesley we Carson did. on the screen. But, but apparently most mm. people hated him and hated that character. So just that was loved, a surprise to me. I'm like, to dump really? on him. I mean, yeah. if we're talking hard eyes, Tasha Yar. Oh, I mean, totally. I, oh my yeah, God. She's that's, pretty the, cool. that's the thing that I love about like these first couple episodes, at least that, you know, we get a very brief period where we get to enjoy Tasha Yar and I like her a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel I like in my memory, I always think Tasha Yar was only in an, you know, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, Tasha Yar does end up leaving the show. But in my mind, I always remember like, oh, Tasha was only in like three or four episodes. But actually, she's in almost the entire season one. Yeah, She's in yeah, almost like every a- single episode until the end. It's like, she doesn't leave the show until the very end of the season. So I don't know why in my mind, she it was so brief, but she's actually around. Like, she's because there. She's always a, a pretty main character. Season two. That's yes, true. That That's is why. True. Okay, that makes so, sense. I always start at season two. The thing for me about Tasha Yar is um, I wonder how bad she felt that things were on set or in that working environment because her character was killed off in episode 22 in the first season. And there were only 25 episodes in that first season. I say only, but there were 25. Like she couldn't even, she didn't even want to last like the last three. (laughs) She was like really, really done apparently. Um, Which I did find um, a really cool like um, little like mini documentary that um, William Shatner made called Chaos on the Bridge. And I'll link it into um, our website where he basically talked about how uber controlling Gene Roddenberry was and how awful it was to work on the first season of the show where a huge number of writers quit in the first season, like 30 writers left the show over the course of season one. He was like famous for um, throwing out scripts like hours before they were going to start shooting that episode. Like it was just absolutely like chaotic. Um, And he had this rule that, and I never thought of it until I watched it on the documentary and I was like, oh yeah, 
he made a rule that none of the main characters could ever have conflict with each other unless they were like possessed by some like alien you know force or something and then they could kind of like fight amongst themselves but you can never have any kind of dissension among the characters on the show which as a writer that's where all the like drama comes drama from. Drama comes from. Yeah. yeah. So to he be like, to, like some utopia or something, right? Exactly. Exactly. Where it's like, no, the characters would never fight, which is like, well, you, you're living on a ship for years. Like, of course there's going to be conflict at some point, but he made that a rule. And so it, he made it incredibly We're all difficult. wearing uncomfortable onesies. We're going to get mad <laughs> <Yes>. at each other. <laughs> yeah. We're going to get a little fussy, <laughs> but yeah, no. So it was apparently like by, by what I've read and I'll link that, um, that cool little documentary. And I, I don't know if it was a, a short documentary or if I just saw a small portion of it, but what I did find I'll link onto our site. Um, but it was really, really interesting as William Shatner is interviewing these writers, you could see that there were things that they wanted to say, but couldn't, they were like measuring their words yeah. very carefully. Cause apparently it was just awful <laughs> the first mm-hmm. season. Yeah. So, so who knows? So I'm sorry that we had to miss out on more Tasha Yar, but I could see why you loved her. I mean, she's, Gorgeous and capable and she's like amazing. She's amazing. She ass, yeah. Yeah. She so, did. She kicked ass. Yeah. She's amazing. And that, that sucks that that was rough. Somehow though, magically, miraculously, all the other cast members were able to make it all the way through all seven seasons, which is pretty incredible. Yeah, not really many shows last anybody. for seven seasons. They it don't lose anybody. They do so a little bit of exchanging. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, they don't. They don't lose Worf. Worf is still there until the very end. They're all still there until the very end. Okay. Deep Space Nine started as uh, TNG was ending. So right, there's right, like right. a little right. bit of overlap. And then and then they cancel the show. So they don't lose anybody. They actually gain a few characters as we go on. And now they make one, it all the way through. There's one thing. It's literally, it's the only thing that I've been thinking about since I watched this episode. I just want to talk about the Klingon Targ. Because yes, I, I put that in my notes. All I wanted, like, I it is all I've Go been thinking about because I love that they lit like their solution for creating this alien being it's was just, just to glue spikes onto an actual boar. That was so awesome because, because they mention targs all the time. They mention oh, targs all the time in the show. Um, I'm not sure how many times in this show, but they mentioned it a lot in Star Trek Voyager which you guys know that I'm obsessed with also. Yes. And I was always like, what is a Targ? Because one of the characters in Voyager, her name's Balana, she's also, she's part Klingon, and she's like, she makes this comment to one of the characters. Yeah, and she's like, you kind of, you, you know, it looked really cute on you. You look like a speckled Targ. And I was like, what is a Targ? Like, what could it be? What could it look like? And then when Worf is like, oh, it's a Targ, my pet from when I was a kid, I was like, that's what it is. That's all I needed. I was so excited to finally put a picture in my mind of what a targ could possibly be because they never describe it. They never nope. say what it actually looks Interesting. like. Interesting. This episode starts to show us a little bit of character backstory, which I really like. Like you see the targ, mm-hmm. Tasha Yar she's sees awesome. her cat, and then suddenly she's back and on the her home gangs. planet. That and that rape gang, awful. Which, which by oh, the way, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I know. Okay. I had and she's like, poor little kitty, runaway little kitty. You're just like, oh gosh, this scene just got even could it even get worse it did get worse because she's protecting a little kitty when she's about to be ra- like this is horrible well, i'm surprised i'm surprised ratings wise that they even allowed the word rape to to air on yeah. tv because i thought for censors they probably wouldn't allow that but yeah she just threw out the word rape gang right front and center and i went whoa and then we see picard's mother as well and he calls her maman which i think is so sweet because it's French and it's very sweet, but like I thought that was sweet, Mama. Mama, and she's got that awesome tea set. So we've got a little, a yes. little tea set here going on. We've got oh a lot of different tea sets in the show. Andre and I discovered. And she's got an actual French accent because Picard's always on that border. But it's like, are you British or French? Like, so okay, so it was somewhat explained. It was somewhat explained in the pilot, but just in passing, he has a British accent. But Data mentions, you know, when Q puts him on trial, and he says something about. Um, how French, the French language has now become obsolete by this point. Um, and Picard goes, I beg your pardon. <laughs> like he takes, <laughs> he takes umbrage. Yeah. <laughs> and so he's a little pissy about that. But yeah, so they, I, yeah. And that's actually in the TNG Bible as well, is that Gene Roddenberry specifically wrote about Picard's character that he is French, that he has a slight accent. And only when he gets mad, does his accent come out stronger mm-hmm. as uh, more okay. Frenchy sounding. And it also says, He's very like um, 
he he defends the French language very passionately. Like that's part of who the character is supposed to be, which I thought was yes. hilarious that that and, level of detail was in there. And when he does get frustrated um, in episode four, when he gets frustrated at one point, he says, Merde, which means shit in French, which I think is fantastic. I was like, oh, he swears in French. And he says it sort of under his breath. That one. Yeah, he says merde. And I was like, ooh, ooh. Anyway, so we see Picard and his mother in her awesome, like, imperial tea set, which I'm a total tea snob, PJ. So I saw that and I was like, ooh, cool. But now, but now we're in the outer rim of the universe. Like, they have tried the test again. It's gone horribly awry and they're in this place that looks like snowflakes are kind of falling all over them which i love this part of the episode like now we're in a place where thought shapes your reality and we see that like ballerina that's dancing around i did i did have a funny little observation the man who was playing in the string quartet when he realizes that he's not that he's not actually playing with them he sits back and you realize he's drinking alone. And I went, what a rough time to be a synthaholic. <laughs> you, can't even, you can't even like fight this lonely feeling. You know, you've got some synthahol and you're drinking alone. It's re- I mean, I just thought that's terrible. So this, this whole thing, this whole idea of, you know, your thoughts become reality that later on Picard's like, all right, everybody, thoughts become reality. Control your thoughts. Be very careful. Be very careful about what you think, which I feel like it's kind of like, didn't that also happen in um, in Ghostbusters where they're like, control your thoughts. Whatever you think <laughs> will kill us. And then I it's like, the second you say- Marshmallow Man. Yeah, the, the second you say, you say control your thoughts, don't think of anything bad. It's like, boof, you're going to think of something yeah, bad, right? Don't think about the giant pink elephant in the room. And you're yep. like, well, that's all I can think about now. When it's he comes, exactly true. When he comes across that man who is- you know, fighting this fire or like he's kind of trapped by a fire in his mind. Picard goes, put it out in your mind. And the guy eventually puts it on his mind. Picard, ever the mushy, emotional man goes, now get to your station and only think about your task. And the man goes, yes, sir. <laughs> like, sir, you I, was I love that. You thought <laughs> you were going to die in a freaking fire one second ago and you're all hopped up on your duty. <laughs> second yeah, look, we don't have time for PTSD. The ship is in trouble. Get back to your station. We'll deal with your trauma later. And at this point, Troy is not the ship's counselor. She's only Picard's counselor. So we don't have anybody to help you. But right now, you need to get back to your station, sweaty and stressed out. When we get back home to the Alpha Quadrant, we'll deal with it. Yeah, we'll deal with your burns and all of that. But right now, yeah, Yeah. and Picard is just like zero sympathy. Well, he's Mr. Duty. I mean, we we know that. Um, Oh, I do have a nerdy little fact. When they get to that outer rim, that uncharted space, they say that they have their their navigational charts tell them that they have traveled to the outer edge of the universe, which is 1 billion light years away. I did a little deep dive because you know I love the deep dives. And the observable universe that we can observe from Earth now with all of our technology is 46.5 billion light years. We can observe a sphere of the universe around us 46.5 billion light years away. So I went, oh, they just arbitrarily came up with a number. But then I thought maybe in 1987... One billion light years was maybe the only observable universe that we had at that time, you know, because technology has sped up so much since then. So that was my little deep dive where I was like, how far is the observable universe from Earth Star right Trek now? Star Trek is no place for your science. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a, I'm a an billion, actual scientist. A billion sounds good. So they put a billion in the script. Yeah. They were like a million? No, no, no. no Better make that a B. No, 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 no. Billion. Make that a B. But I, well, I just thought maybe they actually, well, they didn't have internet then but it's like maybe they looked it up and they're like the only observable universe we have is just shy of a billion so we're gonna just pop them a billion light years away anyway so that was my like very that's my nerd alert moment i'm, right I'm gonna go with pj that they were probably just like uh billion sounds good it sounds really far yep sure yeah. it does let's keep it <laughs> totally <moving>. far <laughs> yeah totally, yeah no one was gonna totally fact check them totally and far then, sounds right like, this was the 80s joe in the script department was like well what about a trillion like shut up joe no <laughs> <laughs> And then that's why Joe quit. He was one of the 30 who quit in season one. (laughs) He's not feeling heard. Gene. And I like how they even think that the universe has an edge, right? That kind of goes back to our old school, almost back to episode one encounter at Farpoint Station, where Q is showing up as this like old school, you know, captain of a ship. And it's kind of a throwback to that, right? Because back in the day, people thought the earth was flat and they thought that if you were on the ocean, you went far enough, wherever the edge was, where the horizon was, you would just yeah. fall off, right? There was, there was an end to the world and you just, who knows what, you know, there'd be monsters. 
And um, yeah. it's kind of yeah. like a throwback to that same idea here. Instead of it being a sphere that's actually continuing forever, like it's a big circle, there's no end. Um, they're thinking of the universe as having an edge as well, except for instead of falling off, you go into some weird, crazy hallucinogenic like, trips. Yeah, you're like works, in some weird like, space. Yeah, like the original show was more like a Western in space. You know, it's all pioneers going off and doing stuff. This one's definitely more on the nautical Horatio Hornblower uh, we're on the ship because the one thing that I noticed in this episode was I have never heard a boatswain's whistle. That oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yes. 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 Okay. This is the first time in the entire next generation series. One of the few times, but the first time that we hear the boatswain's whistle. And I don't know if you know this PJ, but you, you may, but you're also just so smart. You might just be very well read, but Aww. Gene Roddenberry wrote Captain Picard's character to model Horatio Hornblower, who was a um, 18th century fictional like admiral and like explorer. Yeah. So he, so when Gene cast Patrick Stewart as Captain Picard, he said, I would recommend reading Horatio Hornblower stories um, so that you kind of get that background. And to which Stewart said, no worries. I read them all as a teenager. (laughs) So he already was like (laughs) well-versed. He's like, it's Patrick Stewart. He's on top of it. (laughs) Don't worry about it. <laughs> yes. He's Sir Patrick. I don't know if he was Sir Patrick yet, but he was, yeah, no. He, he was not man, Sir Patrick yet. But the man knows his crap. He yeah. <laughs> he's, he's always going to be the captain of my heart, sure. But yeah, so he was written based on this fictional admiral, Horatio Hornblower. All right, but anyway. Oh my gosh, I digress. So the traveler now has to get them back and Picard uses the bosun whistle, which I love. That's like such a geeky Star Trek moment for me. And he says we need to center all of our thoughts, you know, on this traveler. What are your thoughts about that? Uh, so we, we're, one of the things that I say in my class a lot is because my class regularly just devolves into talking about movies and stuff. As opposed <laughs> of course to me it actually does. teaching anything. And I always said that there's two types of things that I don't like in movies and TV shows. I don't like it when man was the monster the entire time. And I don't like it when love was the answer all along. Ah, Wonder Woman. <laughs> like, oh. like the end of Interstellar with like stuff, the bookcase yeah. or whatever it was. Yeah. But, so, yeah oh God, uh, I hated that so much. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, like focus on, on the, it was good. I mean, it, it was more of a fantasy element than the sci-fi thing, but I liked it. Cause again, the whole thing is fantasy. And so it's, but I like, he's like, listen, if you can't focus on your duty, just focus on this one guy. That's all he <laughs> Yeah, I like that. Do. That yeah. was actually really tactical. And that's the piece that they never say in these shows when they're like, that, I mean, that's the piece that they didn't say in Ghostbusters, right? To say like, hey, whatever we think of is going to kill us. So don't think of anything. Or if you need to think of something, you know, and give them some kind of option that's not as right. deafening, right? Easier to it's think like, of something than thinking of nothing. Right. So Absolutely. I do like that he added that piece of being like, you know, control your thoughts. And if you can't control your thoughts, just think good thoughts for the traveler. Just think healing and happiness. Just think that. So then people are like, okay, there's something I can actually do because you're telling me not to worry and it's freaking me out. Yeah, that's all I can do. Like 15 targs running around the bridge right now. <laughs> <laughs> We've got rain going and through every level, cats. ballerinas. Like, yeah, just tell me to think happy thoughts about the traveler. And that is something I can do. I actually had a thought, a question for you guys. And we're also going to do this poll on Instagram because I want to know what you guys think, um, who are out there listening. What would your thoughts be? Like what would come to life if that happened right now? Right. If your thoughts shape reality for the next, yes, if we were on the enterprise and for the next like 12 minutes, your thoughts would become reality. What would happen? Would it be a good story, a bad story? Oh my gosh. God, because now all I can think of is the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's entirely possible that all of Bayonne, New Jersey would be destroyed by the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Gosh, I don't know what, you know, honestly, that's a, that's a big question. I really don't know what I would think. If I had to, if I got the bosun's whistle order from Picard saying, think good thoughts about the traveler, that's what I would be. I would just be sending right. sort of like... It, Good thoughts, good thoughts his way. But if right. I were in... But the moment I, before he gave that in- instruction... Oh, my just, God. Like, hallucinating and tripping on stuff. I, I, so feel look, like this, I, would, I feel like I would be having, like, intergalactic laser tag <laughs> or something. I would be not productive at all. And I would be yeah. like the ballerina where they have to go, get a hold of yourself. And I'm like, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. 
Right. Yeah. I'd probably be like accepting an award from like the Grammys or Oscars or some <laughs> other award that I have no business accepting. And I'd be like, thank you. Thank you to everyone. I'd like to thank the little people. So before before they get back home, which spoiler alert, they do, the traveler pulls Picard aside and tells him how special Wesley is, which I'm guessing PJ didn't love that so much, but I got all sorts of feels. I was like, oh, somebody is like recognizing that this one kid is like special. And so they get back, you know, they get back to, to where they were supposed to be. And then Wesley gets called up to the bridge and gets his famous promotion to acting ensign, which I got to say, I got a little like misty eyed over. Like, I think it's so sweet. And they really tug at that heartstring because they have like this music kind of swelling in the background. And this kid is like, all of his dreams are being realized. But Picard is still being a dick. Even though he's like throwing him a bow. Because he doesn't like children and he needs to be clear on that. So Wesley's kind of like a commissioned officer now. Do they have non-commissioned officers on like, because they don't have... So he was. Really so he wasn't. They, they like, by making him an acting ensign, they said like you don't have a commission. They told him that. He then they said as soon okay, as yeah, as yeah. soon as as soon as we are able, you need to apply to um, the academy. Yeah. So that was the instruction. They were like, we're making you an acting ensign, which means you will have bridge duties, you will wear a uniform, but you're not going to have any actual commission because you have to earn that. Yeah. We'll go to Starfleet with Tom Paris, but he's not Tom Paris. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Don't, yes. Don't call him Tom Paris. Don't you dare. Call him Tom Paris. Or He's going to change his name at the end of the episode. <laughs> so <laughs> loved that. Him. Loved that. I was like, is that Tom? That's yeah. totally Tom. <laughs> Love that. Well, I think, it's, I think it's pretty funny that in an earlier episode, The Naked Now, Wesley saves the ship from complete and total annihilation, and they just forget about it. But this traveler is like, hey, you got something special here. And all of a sudden, they're like, all right, let's promote him. It's like, wait a second. Wait a second. It was a very sweet moment. It was. It was. So I think we actually ended the episode on like a very positive note. Like Wesley's got, you know, he's sitting there. He's now like part of the team, which, you know, was what he always wanted anyway. He has a reason to be on the bridge, which mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but I, I would kill to be on that bridge. Oh, yeah. Where it's at. Yeah. I, so I saw, so Will Wheaton has a show. Um, I don't know if he's still doing episodes, um, but he's got this show on YouTube where he plays games. He just plays different games with like celebrities. They just play board games and it's awesome. I just, and I there's this on one, <laughs> there's this one, yeah, there's this one episode where he's playing with a couple of, of celebrities and this, and the way that the game goes, cause there are all these like, you know, these very cerebral or like detailed kind of board games, right? It's not like go fish, but anyways, there's this one game where you have to kind of like persuade other people in the game to exchange their pieces or to give you resources. So two people are trying to persuade this one guy and Will is one of the guys who's trying to persuade them to give, to give, to partner with him. And so Will starts going on and on about the show. And he's like, you know, if you partner with me, I'll let you go to the holodeck. And we're also, (laughs) and he just starts, he starts laying on thick. He's like, and we'll go to the ready room. We'll see where Picard actually sits. <laughs> you'll get to be on, you'll get to be, yeah, on, like on, like everything. And the guy's like, really? Oh my gosh. And then he gives him like everything. And the other guy's like, man, that totally sucks. That's not even fair. Your show's not real. Like it was so funny. And he All was I like, you know, this the is the holiday. first time I, yeah, he was like, he, and then he goes, he turns to Will and he's like, that's the most passionate I've ever heard you talk about your own show. Like you've never even <laughs> talked about it like that. And then, and Will just turns to him and he's like, you know, when I first started, I was joking, but as I kept talking, I thought, man, this actually sounds really fun. <laughs> I kind of want to do this. <laughs> like, well, I don't know why if, you love Will Wheaton. I want to play board games with Will Wheaton. I want to oh, talk yeah, about absolutely. Me too. Will, can we be on your show and you'll be on our show? Let's do a show swap. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do. Well, Although we're probably going to suck at those board games. <laughs> just so you know, yeah, PJ I'm- will probably crush it. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I will suck. <laughs> All right. So I think that we have actually done it. We've done where no one has gone before. Um, we wrapped it. We- I do have a question though. Yes. And I don't know, maybe you can go back and check this, Andrea, or maybe PJ, you know, at the end of this episode, Picard says engage. And I was like, is that the first time that he said that during the season? I think it is. Cause I think in episode one, mm-hmm. he says something else like, like go or go ahead or something. He said something else. Like mm-hmm. when at the end of episode one and then at Should the end of episode fast. two, <laughs> ship go boom yeah at the end of episode two he um they end with a little moral of the story like well as long as we're together it's something weird I hate so he doesn't give any commands 
Yeah. Love was the answer all along. So, or was that, yeah, I think that was at the end of episode two. Yeah. It was something like, actually, no, it was, it was about them being drunk. It was like, as long as we are con- in control of ourselves, then everything will be okay. It was something like that, but it was a moral of the story. So they didn't have an ending ending. And, mm-hmm. um, I feel like this is the first time he says engage. Oh, it might be. It might be. I'll have to look that up. Cause um, when I heard it, I was like, he said it, he said it. I was all excited. <laughs> See, that's that I don't have the answer to that, but you know what? One of our listeners might because you know, TNG listeners are super fans just like Detailed. us. So they Detailed. may yeah, they may they may know the answer to that. Um Yeah, let us know if I'm wrong on that, but and let yeah, let us know if we're, if I'm right on that too, because um <laughs> I love being right. <laughs> Send us an email at info at the TNG podcast.com and let us know if, if you believe also that that's the first time Picard says engage, because if so, that is a historical moment. It really is. It's a historical moment in television. I'm also going to post up a picture of Wesley's tremendously terrible sweater. I think it's going to be like an evolving, <laughs> an evolving slideshow of all of his bad <laughs> sweaters. Um, but I'm going to post that up at the tngpodcast.com. And if you have any questions, if there's anything that we missed, let us know. Info at the tngpodcast.com. PJ, thank you so, so much for being on our show. Thank you very much for yeah, having thanks, me. PJ. This was great. Yeah, we would love to have you back again. You know, I would say if you have like some real special episodes that are close to your heart, like we want you back so you can talk about them. Well, in five years, if you ever talk about Star Trek Insurrection, I will argue about how that's a good movie day in and day out. Oh, you're on, buddy. You're on. I love that movie. (laughs) Ooh, (laughs) Sharice is like cringing and she's already breathing heavy. Like she's already- I mean, I like it too. I like all the movies, but like I I just get very passionate about some of those (laughs) storylines and what they decide to do with some of the characters and then- some of the choices that they made in Picard to fix some of them. (laughs) But that's a different conversation. That's a conversation for when we're done with the series. So we got some time. It's Picard versus Salieri. It's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, PJ, we love having you. We always love seeing you. Um, Next week, we are reviewing episode six, Lonely Among Us. And I've got some thoughts. So we'll revisit that (laughs) when we get to that episode. All right, guys, we will check in with you next week. Thanks so much. Thanks for geeking out with us. Bye. Thanks for geeking out with us. Be sure to join the crew at thetngpodcast.com to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members. We'll see you next time.